Okay, open up to Psalm 1. It's one of my favorite psalms. Uh, you know, this summer, um, I, uh, first of all, I've been thinking about the unique weather. I'm actually, it seems like it's a little cooler here. Does it feel cooler summer to you? I'm, I'm thankful for that. Um, but we, we got to spend some time in other parts of the country for a couple weeks. Um, went to Seattle, which is unusually warm. Went to Minnesota, which is unusually warm. Uh, I've been looking at the weather in Texas. We moved here from Texas uh, to start this church, and I'm glad the Lord delivered us from Texas. It's been a, over 100 degrees for like over a month. Every day is a high. So for those of you guys considering, oh, maybe the Lord's calling me, don't go. It's miserable. The Lord... The Lord delivered us from it. Uh, I don't know what's going on with the weather, you know. Uh, it's an interesting time. We are in an interesting year. But, you know, something I've been thinking about as we were traveling this summer and just thinking about the weather, I'm amazed at how trees can withstand all the crazy things that's thrown at it. Whether it's storms, whether it's heat, whether it's drought, I'm amazed by trees' ability to withstand challenges and to dig their roots deeper to find the water they need to find life. In fact, I've been studying about trees this summer. Trees, science has actually proven in the last 20, 30 years, actually communicate with one another. Trees can actually share resources with one another through their root systems. It's crazy. Trees have an incredible ability to withstand whatever challenges come against it and to stand firm in place year after year, drought after rainstorm, challenge after good season, year after year. Trees have an incredible ability to stand firm. You know, in today's world, I think that's a picture needed for us as people. In today's world, that seems to be changing. In today's world, that seems to be have some unknowns. In today's economy or inflation or political environment or challenges or anxieties being at an all-time high, I think we can learn something from trees. In fact, um, you know, we believe God speaks primarily through Scripture, but also by the Spirit to confirm that God has spoken again and again to our church in random ways uh, through this picture of our church being like a sequoia tree. Uh, in strange ways. I mean, I'm praying one day, uh, and I'm praying for our church, and God said, it's a sequoia tree, da-da-da. And I'm like, okay, maybe that was just a pizza I ate last night or just my own thoughts, whatever. Then someone comes up to me the next week uh, and is like, uh, hey, I feel like God said our church is like a sequoia tree. And I've been studying it. Sequoias withstand fire. Sequoias withstand, like they actually need fire and challenge to grow and thrive, right? Uh, I was like, okay. And then I was praying one day and I saw um, this uh, sequoia tree near the border of U.S. And, and Canada. And we had a team up there uh, last year in Vancouver, uh, or um, up in, in Seattle, and they went up to Vancouver and there's a sequoia tree on the border of U.S. and Canada. I was like, this is so weird. Like, weird ways God is speaking that our church is like a tree, and specifically a sequoia tree, is to be rooted, is to be strong, is to actually going to grow stronger through the challenges and the fires around it. And this isn't just a nice idea. This is actually a picture we see throughout Scripture. 
Um, just a few ways we see trees in Scripture right in the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, in creation, we see trees. And then in the story of the garden, in chapters 2 and 3, we see trees. And trees actually holding the fruit and the provision that God's creation needs. We see it in the first psalm. We'll be there today. We see it in Jeremiah 17 and the last chapter of Revelation 22, pointing that we as believers will be like trees when we trust the Lord and meditate on his words. And actually that the leaves of the trees of Christians and churches would be healing for the nations in Revelation 22. In Proverbs 3, we see wisdom personified as a tree. In Isaiah 53, verse 2, we see Jesus growing, uh, just prophesying that Jesus will be like a tree that grows from barren ground. In Isaiah 61, it shows us kind of prophetically that, that God transforms broken people's lives to become like solid trees who are oaks of righteousness. That's God's desires for us believers. In the Gospels, we see Jesus using the metaphors of trees again and again and seeds to declare this is what God's kingdom is like. It is like a seed that is smaller than others, but it grows up once it, over the many years to be a mighty tree that birds can perch on and find shade in. And again, in Revelation 22, we see that in heaven, God's throne faces a tree. From Genesis to Revelation, we see trees throughout scripture. Now, I don't think the goal uh, is just trees. I want to take a couple weeks to talk about trees, but my goal and the goal of scripture isn't to just study trees and be arborists by the end of these couple weeks, but I want to ask the question, why and what is God speaking to the importance of trees in scripture? Because I believe this is a word for us as I was praying, God, what do you want to say to the church in today's times that are changing and challenging what does it mean to be people who are rooted and immovable? What does it mean to be a church that withstands changing culture, that withstands persecution, that withstands political division? What does it mean to be a church that is rooted and loves no matter what others do or say? And today I want to start by talking about what it means to be a drought-proof person. How can we be drought-proof People. I'm not talking about how much you water your yard and how much you're able to do that. I'm talking about when the droughts of life come, how can we be drought-proof people? We're going to be looking at Psalm 1 to do that. And, you know, just as you turn to Psalm 1, you know, trees, what they provide, they provide beauty. They provide strength. They provide the ability to, to, to build things. They provide shade. They provide fruit. They provide strength for the soil around. They provide oxygen for the air. They point us to the creator. They tell a story. And trees have the ability to reproduce themselves to bear a mighty harvest around. This is what God has for your life is to be someone of strength, to be someone that provides shade and oxygen for others, to be someone that, that has a harvest of life within you. That is what God wants for you. That's what God wants for our church. Let's look at Psalm 1 to learn about how we can start that process by being drought-proof people. Psalm 1 says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, 
nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, and all he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they're like chaff that the wind drives away. Before the wicked will not stand in the judgment. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now I actually want to start in the middle of the psalm in verse 3 and 4. And look at, this is a, a psalm of contrasts. Contrasting two types of people, contrasting two types of physical things. And, and what we see in verse 3 and 4 in the middle, and this is a contrast I want to start with, is the contrast of trees versus chaff. Trees versus chaff. And so uh, I want to look back here at, let's zoom in on verse 3 and 4, talking about we can be like trees planting their streams of water that yields fruit in season. This leaf does not wither, but we prosper in what we do. But the wicked are like chaff that the wind drives away. So you might be asking, what's chaff? So chaff are seed coverings um, and other debris that are separated from the grain or the rice when things are threshed. So if you have a seed, you want the goodness inside of the seed. You want the goodness inside of the grain. Chaff is the trash left over or the stuff left over that's not good and not really super usable. I guess you can technically feed animals with it, but most people just get rid of it. It's not edible for humans. It's not the good part that you want. Um, so it's not used for much. It's typically just driven into the ground or blown away. It's weightless and it's worthless. It's weightless and it's worthless. And so the idea that the psalmist is communicating here is that when our lives have no roots to them, or no weight of the revelation of the truth of God and knowledge of God to anchor it, then our lives can be quickly blown to and fro like chaff, which is weightless and worthless and blown in the wind. You see, I think it's easy to be blown around by family members' opinions of us. It's easy to be blown around by finances and the challenges and inflation. It's easy to be blown around by the political environment and the latest news thing and he said or she said. It's easy to be blown around by the temptation of just looking successful on the outward. It's easy to be blown around by people's opinion of us. It's really easy, and I'll speak from firsthand uh, my own struggles. It's easy to be blown around in the midst of life's challenges. And when the winds of our circumstance drive us, when things are good, we're good. And when things aren't good, we're anxious at best. We struggle. When things are not good, our circumstances dry up. And therefore, our life and our roots dry up, right? Allowing circumstances to drive our lives is anxiety-provoking at best and depressing and frustrating and just downright exhausting. 
I've been there before. I've, I've, I'm tempted to this day to let my circumstances drive my well-being, and I've tried it long enough to tell you, it's tiring. And you've never been tired on that roller coaster before. I've been tired out by that roller coaster, the circumstances driving my well-being roller coaster. That's not God's design for mankind, and that's not God's design for you. God's design for you is not that you'd be like chaff, blown to and fro. God's design for you and me is that we would be like trees, rooted. Now, before we look at trees, what is the difference in this psalm? Look at verse 3. It's a little hint. The difference between the chaff and the trees. The difference between the chaff and the trees is this proximity to water. Water. John 7, before I go to John 7, I, I thought I'd just kind of use this illustration. I've had the opportunity to go and do some missions work in Egypt and northern Africa. And so if you're familiar with the Nile River, uh, it flows through Egypt. And much like some of southern California, naturally, Egypt is a desert. Um, and so where the green is, you might say water is not green, but what that is, is those are trees. Those are vegetation, and that's basically following the Nile River, and up at the top is the delta, and so you have a lot of civilization because people want to live where the water is. People want to live <clears throat> where the life is, and so trees are growing naturally um, alongside wherever the river flows. So let me put it like this way. Where the water flows, the trees grow. Where the water flows, the trees grow. And that's good news for us because here's what Jesus said. He said this, says in John 7, he raised his voice loud on the last day of the feast, giving a call to all who are weary, and Jesus said this. Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone is thirsty... Let them come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, said Jesus, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. For those who are exhausted, for those that feel like your life can be like chaff, for those that are being blown around by life circumstances, for those that feel like they're in a drought, which I am tempted to be there numerous times a week. I've got good news. Jesus' arms are open. You see, he is the water of life. And he says, if anyone is thirsty, come to me. We've got a Savior in Jesus who forgives your sin. We've got a Savior in Jesus who heals our bodies. We've got a Savior who gives rest for the weary. We've got a Savior who gives purpose to the purposeless. We've got a Savior who cares for and prioritizes the outcast and the hurting and the broken. We've got a Savior who can restore the most broken places in people's lives. You guys, this is who he is. And the good news is he is here today. The water of the Spirit is alive and well through the person of Jesus here today. The river is flown in this church and the river can be flown in your life too. I don't know what you need, 
But our Savior is not a clean it up and come to him kind of Savior. He is a Savior who steps into our mess and comes to you. I don't know where you need the water of life flowing in your life today. But it doesn't come by cleaning up your life. It comes by coming as you are and opening up to let the waters flow. You see, the beauty of this scripture is not even that we can be planted near him, but that in the midst of a drought, he'll plant himself inside of you and you'll be a river. You can have rivers flowing in you regardless of what's going on around you. This is the beauty of our Savior. So if we can have a stream that's ever flowing inside of us, guess what we can easily become? Mighty strong trees. I want to look at this picture again, the Nile River picture. I want you to think for a second, if there were a severe drought, which it always kind of looks like there is a drought in Egypt, but if there were a severe drought, what happens to the trees next to the river? Given the Nile's always going to flow. They still grow. Because where the water flows, the trees grow, right? There can be the harshest weather in Egypt. And the trees along the Nile don't even know it. Because they're rooted in the water. If you will be connected to Jesus... And connected to the water of life. Doesn't mean you won't feel the ups and downs of life. But there is no desert season or life's challenge that you can not only not make it through, but there's no life's challenge that you can't even flourish in. Because God's desire for us is to plant you and me as streams and trees that can flourish in life's deserts. And for everyone around us to look at the church in the midst of challenges and financial challenges and political challenges and be like, what in the world do they have? And some of you, all of you actually are filled with seeds that your life can build into the lives of others. When others are in drought and dying, we don't just have the ability to thrive, we have the ability to breathe life and oxygen and strength wherever we go and provide shade for those that are in drought in the world around us. This is God's desire. Now, the key to to understanding how do we become mighty trees that are drought-proof isn't just being near the water, but it's how we tap into the water. You see, the secret is where are these trees rooted at? Because the ones that are rooted near the water are getting life, and the ones that are not rooted near the water are not. You see, with trees, it is what is below the ground that determines the life above the ground. You see, the tree will only have as much life above the ground as good as its roots are below the ground. If the roots of a tree are good and in the right spot, the tree will be good. If the roots are bad, it's only a matter of time before the tree starts to wither and die. So I've got a few roots up here. Actually, um, if you go back to the first one, you see 
The other dynamic is that not only for trees, what is below the ground is often more important than what is above the ground. So the roots produce the fruits, not the other way around. The fruits don't produce the roots. The roots produce the fruits. But as the tree grows bigger, the roots need to grow deeper to be able to hold the strength of the tree. In fact, scientists say that root systems or trees are often more expansive than the, the plume of the tree itself. Colorado State researchers say that um, trees are typically two to four times the diameter of the crown. Iowa State University, my Midwest people, they say often four to seven times uh, the area occupied by the, tra- by the crown of the tree. And so I just thought I'd, this is actual pictures that are scientifically done by different types of trees done by researchers to show what different kinds of trees have different root systems. And as you can see, depending on where each tree is, they some go down farther, some go down wider. But what you'll notice with every tree is that what is below the ground is bigger than above the ground. And when the tree grows above the ground, what is below the ground must grow with it. Now, as we think of being rooted people, or as I say, being from Minnesota, rooted. Sorry if I mess up. I just... As we think of being rooted people, that can be challenging. Because not only do we live in a fast-paced world, but we live in a culture that values, prioritizes, and celebrates what is outward, oftentimes more than what is inward. You see, the world around you and culture doesn't clap when when your life looks mediocre to miserable, but you have amazing character getting developed inside of you through that process. The world doesn't clap for that. The world isn't saying, oh, what character is being formed in you? Let's celebrate that. Let's, let's trust you and respect you because of character being formed in you, even though your life looks like it stinks on the outside. Culture doesn't clap when you, when you turn off your phone to be quiet, to tend to your soul. Culture doesn't clap and celebrate when your life looks boring because you prioritize your marriage and you prioritize knowing God or you prioritize a few key relationships and serving people around you. Culture doesn't clap when you stay at the same job for a long time and you're obeying God and having a long, hard obedience in the same direction even though it doesn't look very fruitful at times because you're obeying God. Culture's not clapping for you when it looks hard. Culture celebrates when we get the best title. Culture celebrates when we have the best achievements, when we have the coolest experiences. Culture celebrates having more possessions. Culture celebrates um, looking successful and our families appearing to have it together and my kids being in all the sports and being the most successful in the sports and doing the best things and being the best students. And what I find is someone who grew up and did sports, it only gets crazier. There's more sports and there's more intensity. There's more academics. It's getting crazy. That's what culture celebrates and it's not slowing down anytime soon. So I just want to say, as your pastor, it's challenging to be rooted people. 
in the culture we live in, which is not slowing down. But I want to invite us not to get caught in the rat race. Because, you see, what produces strength and helps us to be drought-free people is not by having the title at work. It's not even by increasing your paycheck, although there's a place for that and that helps, and let's believe for that. What provides strength in our lives is what happens on the inside. Faith, hope, love, faithfulness, steadiness, integrity, which is doing the right thing even when it hurts. That's what produces character. That's what you can build families on. That's what you can build a life on. That's what your grandkids and your grandkids, grandkids, grandkids will come around and say thank you. It's not because of the title you had, but the faithfulness of your life by what you produce below the ground. And so as our responsibilities in life grow then, some of you, maybe you got married, some of you, uh, you have more responsibility at work, or just, I'll say, in the last years, two, three years, it just seems like the challenge and the weight of life has increased. <clears throat> and I think what 2020 and 2021 has served at was kind of an exposure of our root systems as a culture, an exposure of our root systems as the church, <clears throat> an exposure of our root systems in our own lives. Y'all see that? <clears throat> it's kind of like the mess of our culture just came out. The mess of the church <clears throat> came out. The mess of our lives came out. The mess of our families came out, right? <clears throat> and we'd all love to point fingers at the other people's mess or the other political party's mess or the other. I can't believe they said and did that. But the reality is all of our root systems got exposed these last few years. And so if we're going to be people that steward God's increase and God's favor and God's impact in the world around us in anxious and challenging times, then the growth of what's below the surface of our life needs to outpace the growth of what's above the surface of our life. Y'all tracking? I spent a couple weeks away, so I got a lot of thoughts. Sorry, a lot of deep thoughts. I just, uh, <laughs> you see, oftentimes God wants to give us increase, and God wants to give us authority, and God wants to give us more impact. But what he has to do first is send us through a trial to grow what's below the surface so that we can be above the surface. That doesn't necessarily mean you missed it or that you disobeyed. That's been a lot of the last few years of my life. I'd say the last few years of my life have been like second or third most challenging <clears throat> season of my life. I've fought with God over it. I've, wanted, I've, I've shot it over, shot it, shot God down over it. I've been, you know, had all kinds of crazy ideas over it. But what I see as I get more to the hindsight of the last few years of my life is a father's kindness to me. I'm saying, wow, God, I really needed these challenges in my life. Wouldn't have been how I did it, <laughs> you know. I would have been up and to the right, you know. Uh, but now I see, wow, I got a good dad. Because he didn't just send me out to his increase in blessing. 
when some places in my life weren't prepared for it. And I believe we have a God that wants to give you more. He wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. He wants to equip you so that you can serve and care for others and advance his kingdom. And God will use the trials of life to deepen our roots so that we can be people to steward what is above the ground of our lives. Because our roots are deep. And so in these last few minutes, I, I want to look at how can we grow our root system or build our interior of our lives. Let's look back at verse 1 or 2 because it gives us some hints on how to do that. I'll reread that. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his or their delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, they meditate day and night. Now this gives us a few hints here of how we deepen our interior world because verse 1 and 2 lead to verse 3 and 4, what talks about trees or chaff. So if we're going to be people who are trees and are drought-proof people, that means that we walk in the blessing of God, which means we do some things and we don't do some things. Um, Now, some commentators would would kind of liken these three things in verse 1 to our thinking, our behaving, and our belonging. You see, it's our thinking, our behaving, and our belonging, which are primarily under the surface or things that that other people don't see, that produce what is above the surface. You can see this breakdown in thinking, behaving, and belonging. In the text, um, the commentators would say that it is our not walking in the counsel of the wicked is speaking to our thinking, not standing in the way of sinners. The way is talking about the way we live and behave in our lives, nor sitting in the seat of scoffers is talking about our belonging and where we uh, fellowship with. Our thinking, our behaving, and our belonging can shape our being and our fruitfulness. So I want to look at these real quickly because these are what build strong root systems in our life, our thinking. You see, what, what you and I really believe about God and about ourselves and about why you exist will shape the trajectory of your life. Do you all believe that? And I'm not talking about the Jesus answer, right? Like, what do you believe about God? Well, here's the Bible verse, the Bible verse. What do you believe about yourself? I just know I'm loved. I'm talking about the interior real that goes on in your head. You know what I'm talking about? That thought that's going, in fact, we've got thousands and thousands and thousands of thoughts a day. And so I'm talking about what is the real that plays in your head, right? What is that interior real? What we think about and believe about God, about ourselves, and why we exist shape the trajectory of your life. I heard as one pastor, Craig Rochelle, said, the, the focus of our strongest thoughts will shape the trajectory of our future. And the enemy knows that. What happened in the garden and what happened when Jesus was tempted in, in, uh, in the desert He came after their opinion about God. He attacked the character of God and the goodness of God. And then the enemy attacked Jesus' character. If you're really the son of God, right? 
and he attacked his purpose. Well, if you'll, you can have all the kingdoms of the world if you'll just do that. The enemy knows that your thoughts will shape the trajectory of your life. This is why scripture exhorts us to meditate on God's word. Who will be like a tree planted near streams of water? Those that, Psalm 1, meditate on the word day and night. Joshua 1, the exhortation wasn't go fight strong, right? There was be strong and courageous, but then he said meditate day and night on the word and what will happen, then you will have success where you go, right? And this, it says that we can prosper when we meditate on the word. That's not just talking about studying. In fact, uh, although I very much believe in Bible study, the scripture doesn't tell us to study the Bible. It tells us to meditate on it, to declare it, to pray it, right, which includes studying. Uh, we're to be soaked You've seen me do this before in God's word. God's desire is that you look like this. Now, don't go to work like this. That would be weird. But go to work like this on the inside, that you would be soaked just dripping with God's word. That's God's desire for us to be filled with God's word. So what are the thoughts and narratives in your mind? God wants to invite you to connect them to him. Secondly, our behaving. So we build our root systems deeper by forming our thinking, being transformed by the renewing of our mind. Secondly, our behaving. Now, we all do things habitually, right? Whether that is praying and working out or whether that is eating a pint of ice cream over three shows most nights, right? All right, all right, preaching to some of y'all. We all do things habitually, both good or bad, And we are the byproduct of our behavior, right? So if I spent uh, every day watching two shows and eating two large bags of chips, or if I spent that same time at the gym, give me a year and my life would go better or worse. And I think you can connect the dots, right? Uh, That's a simple illustration for how life works. You see, but it's, it's the small daily disciplines in our life over a long time that nobody sees that produce the results that everybody sees and wants. It's the small disciplines in our life over a long period of time that no one sees that produce the results that everyone sees and wants. Now, I'm not talking about starting a two-hour workout if you're not working out. I'm not talking about reading the Bible every month, uh, you know, through it once a month. I'm not talking about praying two hours a day. I'm talking about starting small, small disciplines in two or three areas of life. I actually know a guy that started a new discipline once every year in his life. His first one was flossing, and he's one of the most disciplined, effective people I know in life. So I'm talking about small things, praying, spending five Spending 10 to 15 minutes of God every day. And if you miss a day, just don't beat yourself. Pick it back up the next day. I'm talking about encouraging your spouse every day with a really simple note. I'm talking about spending 30 minutes each week at the beginning of your week to plan your week around your values and your goals. I'm talking about these simple things, not 10x to the extreme, because the reality is we're all kind of just 
normal people, right? We, we, got, we got plenty going on in life. You don't need to add three things that take two hours of sitting, right? We, none of us can afford that. So my question for you then, and we talked about thinking, now we're talking about believing for a minute. <clears throat> Are the main patterns of your life that nobody sees moving you towards the fruit that you want? <clears throat> Are the main patterns in your life that nobody sees moving you towards the fruit you want? <clears throat> For me, I'm like, ooh, i got to re-up getting to bed early so I can get spending time with God every day, but I could use a little more, right? I don't, I don't know what it is for you, but are the main patterns in your life, I'm not talking about a, examine 20 patterns, the main two or three in your life, are they getting you towards where you want to go or away from where you want to go? <clears throat> and lastly, belonging. Our thinking, our behaving, and our belonging. Relationships shape who we are. Relationships shape our norms. They shape our worldview. <clears throat> if you want a point in case, Fox News and CNN, right? You can get into echo. I don't know. I just, we get echo chambers, right? Like you go and talk to this person, and they're like, well, it's totally normal to think this and this. And you talk to this person, it's like, totally normal. And you're crazy if you're on the other side, right? Our relationships create our, uh, our norms, right? And it's interesting, this, this part, it says, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. The definition of to scoff is someone who, uh, who speaks to someone or about something in a scornfully ridiculing or mocking way. Or another definition would be to laugh and talk about a person or idea in a way that shows you think they're stupid or silly. Now, I just want to acknowledge there's a whole lot of that going on right now. What I was just talking about, right? There's a whole lot of scoffing going on in our world right now. And I would say, maybe to say it differently, there's a whole lot of toxicity out there right now. There's political toxicity. There's relational toxicity. There's spiritual and church toxicity. <clears throat> you see, we're living in a time that if we think someone has done something wrong, we have full license to tear them down as publicly as we want and feel no need to forgive. And I am not at all minimizing because some real evils have been exposed, especially the last few years, including in the church. And we need to take that seriously. There's real people with real pain. And we talk about history. There's real pain, right, in our country, different things. So I'm not at all minimizing that at all. I think that's been a holy thing that God has brought to our attention in some of these areas of brokenness in the church and our culture. <clears throat> but... The gospel of Jesus still stands that if we are forgiven people, we need to move towards forgiveness. We need to move towards reconciliation. We need to move towards, right? Um, and for some people, if it has been a deep, if you have been deeply abused, that is not an overnight. I'm not asking you to just forgive, you know? That is a possibly years and years and years long process for you. <clears throat> um, but... When we don't forgive people, we're not only in direct disobedience to Jesus, but we become bitter people. And there's a lot of people and a lot in our world with legitimate pain right now with God and the church who eventually are staying in a place of bitterness. And scripture seems to think that's a big deal. 
Hebrews 12, verse 15 says, See that no one falls short of God's grace and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many people. And so, man, we've all got, that was part of what I processed in my time two, three weeks away. It was like, I've got some frustrations with God and some disappointment built up. And there's some bitter, frustrated places in me. I had to get that open with God and spiritual director and a couple friends just to clean, clean out the pipes in my heart and to forgive and to release and to bless and to move on and to, to continue forward. <clears throat> because if we're not doing that and we're surrounding ourselves with people who are only, and there's a, there is a holy righteous anger, and I want to validate that. But if we're only staying angry and surrounding ourselves with that, what happens, the Bible says, we get defiled. The simplicity of our childlike faith in a God that is good despite an evil world, we start to become bitter and hardened and hateful. So again, this is a challenge. This is a both end because we live in a broken world with plenty of injustice. And we need to, but this is, this is what, we cannot sit in the seat of scoffers and be blessed. We cannot have a primary fellowship with people scoffing, whether it's politically or church or spiritually, and experience the full blessing of God. Doesn't mean we don't love people and have relationships with people. Don't be weird. So are we are the primary people around you building you up or wearing you out? God wants to bring people into your life that build you up along the way. So these few small steps can intentionally develop our inner life so that we can bear great fruit in our outer life. And the result, verse 5 and 6, is that not only we will stand with confidence in the end of our lives in Judgment Day, when we stand before Jesus, we can have confidence both because we're forgiven by Jesus, but also then because we chose wisdom. We can have confidence not only in the day of judgment at the end of our lives, but then we can have confidence in rootedness in a world that is filled with droughts, in a world that is filled with challenge and uncertainty. The result of being rooted people is confidence both in the end and tomorrow and today as well. You know, I was reminded uh, of a um, British pastor who uh, leads a large Anglican church in London, and um, he just had his last, um, his last, uh, his name is Nicky Gumbel. He started the Alpha Course, if you're familiar with it, leads a large church in London. He just preached his last service. He's in his, you know, 60s or 70s, and I was just thinking, he's a pastor without a scandal. <laughs> he's a pastor that's married to one wife and has just borne fruit over a long period of time. And this guy's pretty well known, but I was thinking of all, not only the pastors, but then even people in our lives. People in your family, maybe. People that you know, people at the church you grew up in, or well, I don't know, people sitting in this church, where maybe people don't know them. But they're leaving a legacy not that is fame and glitz and then here today and gone tomorrow, but they're leaving a generational legacy because they chose faithfulness and they chose to build their root system and they chose to prioritize 
their walk with God or their marriage or their kids or some friendships or the church or righteousness and holiness. They chose to prioritize purity. I don't know what it is. And they don't get fame. They don't get glory on this earth. But you better believe on the new earth they will. And those are the people we actually want to be around more than when in our heart of hearts. It's not a movie star whose life's broken that's going to change your life. We want to be around people that are like trees. And we want to become those people. We may not be known by people, but we can leave a life that will leave generational blessing upon generational blessing. That comes by focusing not on fruits, but on roots. And so, question as we close, are you focusing most of your energy on trying to get outward fruits or on building your roots? Of course, there's a place to focus on on fruit, and we got just plenty of things to manage in life. There's plenty to do. But are we prioritizing things enough to focus on our roots or are we, be, are we being driven by the wind or just trying to get some fruits? <clears throat> We're going to take some time in response. I can just have a few of our prayer team. <clears throat> I think for some of us, and myself included at times, We're tired. We're tired because we're just, you know that whack-a-mole game? <clears throat> you go and you get the hammer and there's little alligators that pop up and you never know where it's going to pop up and you're hitting it and you're like, ah, you're always like one alligator behind and you're missing the alligators. You know what I'm talking about? Like I feel like my life is like that sometimes. Anyone feel like that? Some of us are on the whack-a-mole ride and we're tired. Some of us, We're tired by striving to get fruits. So much so that we haven't tended to our roots. And today is a day of grace and a fresh start for you. Some of you today, maybe you need to come to know Jesus in the water of life for the first time. Maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And and I would repeat what Jesus said. All who are weary, come to anyone who thirsts in life. Come to me and drink because Jesus can forgive your sin. He can give you peace where you don't have it. He can heal you. He can restore you. And today, you can meet Jesus not by cleaning up your life, but by letting him clean up your life, by just saying, Jesus, I've sinned and fallen short, and I need you. I need you, Jesus. So we're going to take some time, Jake, if you want to play something really spiritual and uh, if I can get a couple more prayer leaders out I know we got a lot of people out today a lot of our leaders out today if I can get a couple more prayer leaders um, Lord maybe you're just highlighting something for different ones of us to do. Maybe some of us, we just need to come and fall on our face because we're tired. And we just need to lay by the river. (laughs) We need to sit in the water and drink today. We just need to be still and be filled again. 
some time to respond. If you need prayer for anything else at all, I, I did sense that I was praying today that God wanted to um, catalyze family breakthrough. Some of you are believing for breakthrough in your family, your extended family. I just believe God's highlighting that. That some of you would be catalysts for that in this next season. We'd love to pray for you. If you're stressed or anxious about anything, we'd love to prayer ministry will be available. Let's worship Jesus as we respond for the last few minutes of service.